I'm just as bad. <laughs> oh man okay uh so yeah this is a couple of things we want to sit down and talk about here today man this is first of all why don't you introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself yeah perfect again thank you so much rob for having me on as well i, I really really appreciate it and uh yeah my name's dan draper i am a radio presenter a content generator uh mental health advocate and podcaster as well so i run my own mental health podcast There we go. Oh, did I lose you there? Still there? Yeah, yeah still there. I thought I lost you there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So really, why I want you to get, get you on, really, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the pods and how we do them, but essentially, we like to just focus on a number of different topics, some of them being more lighthearted and some of them being a bit more, you know, uh, serious, in my opinion, like, men, like men's mental health, especially. Yeah. Um, I know it's a topic which is, it's been spoke about for a while and it has been spoke about, but has it actually been implemented in a way where it's actually, we're seeing, seeing the, the, the benefits of it. And I don't know about yourself, but actually let, let me ask you that, man. Do you, do you think it's really taken as seriously as it is advocated in the media? Um, first initial responses. I don't think so, because I think that we've got, a lot lot better at talking about mental health we really have whether it's men's women's whatever it may be i think that the awareness and you know with the various lockdowns that's got that's happened with covid and stuff like that and how it played such a toll on people's mental health i really think that actually where the media have made such a big campaign about it but also just you know people in general just talking about it a lot more has actually kind of released the stigma a little bit but I think you know specifically for men's mental health you know where things are getting back to normal now and and stuff like that it's just a case of oh should we go down the pub and watch the football or watch the rugby or something like that rather than actually thinking so how have you been mate like how's how's things been for you you know it's been a rough couple of years what's you know what what have you how have you been what's been going on like you know we need to have more of those conversations around like what and how rather than just sort of brushing it under the carpet which again unfortunately a lot of men are doing at the minute i think for that's a really interesting point i think for me is what i've what i've noticed myself is that a lot of men don't really have the safe level of spaces where they can talk about certain things um, and openly and without judgment and sometimes at the moment we're in a bit of a society where if things want to be expressed if they don't formulate with the status quo then it has to be cancelled or it has to yeah. be shamed or it has to be toxic at yeah. the moment all i'm thinking all i ever hear at the moment to be honest with you is toxic masculinity yeah. but everything but to me i'm like everything masculine based on what you're saying is toxic but yeah that doesn't make sense and to to, to counteract that there is real toxic femininity like it's a yeah. real thing like i hate to put it as that so it's just at the moment there seems to be a, a quite a big attack almost from all angles if i'm honest with you um when it when it comes to things like this and it just it just makes me think a lot to be honest with you yeah and i think the other flip side of that as well is that if for example you're emotionally intelligent enough as a guy to realize your feelings and you know what it is that you're you're talking about you then get called wet or a bit soft or something like that you know like you're, you're the person that you're trying to be the better version of yourself and then some people then be like oh come on mate so stop being such an idiot about it and it's that bit that you kind of think well you want to be encouraging this type of, you know, you want to be encouraging the the positives rather than just thinking about the negatives and saying, oh, actually, mate, you need to man up. That's the worst phrase for me. Yeah. I hate the phrase man up so, so much. Yeah, and it's one that we still hear a lot of. And yeah. I, I do. But when it when it comes to things like this and it comes to expressing it amongst people, where do you, speaking for maybe yourself or just in your experience of what you've learned, do you feel like you're able to have that discussion amongst men or do you feel vulnerable talking about it with women as well? I think both, to be honest with you, mate. I think that I'm more comfortable now talking to my guy mates about it, especially since, you know, starting all the work that I have done with the podcast and everything like that. Um, I'm far more open about talking my own mental health now because I think that, and I'm sure that we'll get onto it later about where, you know, where my struggles began. But I think that where, you know, so many people 
again, like I said earlier about the guys brushing it under the carpet, so many people are doing that, that when it takes that one person to turn around and say, oh, actually, mate, yeah, I'm not not feeling the greatest. And it's like, okay, well, tell me about it, man. And you've got to be that friend. You've got to be that brother, that cousin, that whoever it may be, um, that will just try to open up that conversation and just say, look, we need to have a chat. We need to talk about this because otherwise, you know, you you see some of the statistics that come out of, you know, people taking their own life and people who have attempted and and stuff like that. And I know that I've had hundreds of conversations, even away from the podcast about people that have, you know, said to me, I I was in a really bad spot and I, I, you know, I either listened to your pod or I listened to another mental health pod or I started practicing, practicing mindfulness and stuff like that. And honestly, man, it's it's so, so good. But again, we just need to keep releasing that stigma. And the same with medication as well. We need to keep releasing that stigma. So with med- with medication, what do you mean in sense of medication and the stigma around medication? So there was there was one girl that I spoke to actually on the pod called uh, Ashley. And she was basically saying that she felt that there was a stigma around the medication that she was taking for her mental health. But she said, if you were sat in a room and, for example, you've got Jack in the corner, you've got Doris over here, you've got Sansa Sansa over there. Jack's taking an antihistamine because he's got uh, hay fever. Yeah. Doris is taking an indigestion tablet because she's had something hard, you know, bad for lunch. Sansa Sansa has got a, you know, a headache or whatever it is. There's no taboo around those because they're medical things that you actually think are going to help you at that point in time. But if you then take something like, uh, you know, something for your mental health or for your anxiety or something like that, it then gets branded as this bigger thing because it's not bought over the shop counter or something like that. And because it's related to mental health, which again has such a big stigma around it. So many people will say, Oh, what is that? Like I've, I've heard people before. And again, I would never ever say anything like this. Like I've heard people say, Oh, they're taking their crazy pills or they're taking their this, that and the other and, and stuff like that. And, you know, if we were back in like, the nineties or something like that. When we grew up with cartoons that would be labeled with things like that or something like that, you know, you could kind of understand it, but you know, it's, it's kind of at this point it was in the 2020s. So you kind of have to, you know, keep up with the times with that and, and, you know, move on where your language is at. And I think that's the biggest thing is, is the language surrounding mental health as well, because I feel, I feel like at times the word depression just gets thrown out there quite a lot. Um, and people genuinely are depressed. You know, if someone says that they're depressed because they got shortchanged a fiver or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, everyone's struggle is completely different. But if you've got somebody who's depressed and like I said earlier, if they're, you know, in a really rough spot and they're thinking of taking their own life and things like that, you can just overuse some of the words that, that, are, that come with mental health. And again, it just waters it down and it makes mental health then not, a big thing to talk about when actually it really is um so yeah i think it's really careful about the language that people use around mental health as well yeah that's a big part of it for me it's it's my my biggest i'm for myself i'm fortunate enough to have a a good close group of male friends who i can share Mm. this kind of stuff about and and how to and being emotional emotionally aware enough to realize what my emotions are and what they mean and why I feel like this. But I know a lot of people aren't, don't have those advantages as well. Mm. Um, and I think uh, as for, from, from my perspective, my experiences from some of the people that I know, especially when it comes to say, um, especially come to sort of like young, young males, specifically like young black males or mixed race and those kind of, of ethnic minorities, I know that they, they feel a lot more restricted when talking about this, especially on top of the stigma of it, it, it doesn't exist, like depression doesn't exist yeah. or this doesn't exist or or man up, like you said. Mm. And then the uh, the kind of almost, how would you describe it? The, the persona or that's given around strength and, and just the traditional male attributes that people say they should have yeah um yeah it just completely changes changes a lot and it plays with people's mind as well i know i'm not really explaining it in a, in a great way i'm just trying to like get all my thoughts out you know yeah no but i, I completely get what you mean the, man 
yeah. I, com- I completely get what you mean because it's it's that thing again it's how we've all grown up we've grown up with that masculinity of you need to be big strong you know look after your woman that type of thing when actually there's a lot more to it now because there's so many more resources available and again we're shifting with the time so there's a lot of things that you know that were maybe 40 50 years ago that just are completely different now that's true but then over this is where i struggle though is because i think there's a way of being aware of your emotions being aware of your mental health understanding it's just as as important as your physical health but then do you think there's a a point where it becomes a little bit too much in regards to some people become too emotionally embedded um, and it just kind of overtakes them where it affects them in a way where it, it, it's just, it, it's not control. It's not containable or controllable, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think that there is certain elements of that. And I mean, I'm not a medical professional in any way shape or form so if anyone you know needed to speak about their mental health with a medical professional then they should absolutely do so but I think that I think that you're right I think that there there's some people that will be there that will have their own struggles um, and there'll be people that will have you know they'll share their struggles in a different way or they may not have their own struggles at all they may just want something from someone and that's their way of reaching out to people Um, so yeah I think that every every in terms of the struggle side of it and raising their attention and their awareness about the subjects could be completely different. I mean, you could have someone who is either that you work with or that you, you know, whatever it may be. And you just say, Oh, look, they're kicking up a fuss again. Or, Oh, there's Karen, you know, those famous names like Karen and Keith, but actually there may be, they may have a point with some of it and you, you have to kind of take yourself back from that. Um, And I've learned that a lot recently working within, you know, customer service and hospitality and things like that um, is that you really need to think about how it is that you approach people, because if you just go, oh, do you know what? I don't think that I'm up for that today. You can deal with that one or this, that and the other that you don't know then how that, that, uh, you know, it could affect someone's life completely differently. And I'm not saying that we need to pander to everybody and everybody's whims and wishes but it's just, again, it's just that consideration piece because, again, as we were talking about earlier before we came on about social media, social media nowadays is so self-involved with a lot of different things and it sends people into, you know, a real frenzy at times. You know, there's so many young girls now that are talking about body dysmorphia and all of this, not only through like modelling and stuff like that, but you see people on TikTok and, and whatever it may be. Um, but it's the same with guys, you know, the eating disorders for guys, the statistics of that has gone up. Um, and again, that's because you'll have, and again, fair play to them. They're all in great shape, but you'll have like the Chris Hemsworth of the worlds and you have the, you know, the Captain Americas and this, that and the other, because it's a lot of, like a lot of Hollywood has been dominated by like the superhero world recently. So for me, I'm like, oh yeah, I like a pint or two, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a drink. I've got, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm anywhere near Chris Hemsworth, yeah. but <laughs> But then it, you you then start to think about your complex as well and how you're kind of going from there. Yeah, that's true. That, I'm glad you brought it up actually in, the, in regards of sort of body dysmorphia, body dysmorphia, sorry, body positivity. Because I, you know, I had this conversation with someone at the moment uh, recently, mm. and she's like a body positivity, body I can't talk today, body positivity advocate. Uh, and I was saying so. I don't really believe body positivity is for men. And I'll explain why, because I think it's only a, a luxury that women have, because what you'll find is the way up, oh, perfect example. I don't know if you watch the Super Bowl, but I'm sure you see that obviously Dr. Dre was performing Eminem. Yeah. 50 yeah. Cent. And 50 Cent did that same scene he did, right? Hanging off, right? Yeah. As you know, and people just dragged him. He's fat. He's this. First of all, he's like 50 years old. Yeah. Right. So he's been in shape pretty much all of his life. Right. And then on top of that, if that was reversed or even you don't even have to say it was worse, even just if you look at the way uh, people talk about Lizzo compared to 50 mm. Cent, like you can't you couldn't say what they were saying about. 50, and when I mean they, I mean, like whoever was talking about it, social media, yeah, the, the keyboard blocks, warriors. Yeah. Right. Whatever. So people 
you would there would no way you'd be able to say the same thing about a woman they, they did about 50 cent and not get dragged through or cancelled or anything like that yeah. and i just think it's i think it's i think it's stupid because the reason why i say that so bluntly is because if you're making it about it make it across the board because we're all for equality me personally, I, I love everyone. I want everyone to be equal. Do you know what I mean? And it's difficult when you see things like that and then still say that this is equal and this is fair and this isn't fair and this is men's fault and this is women's fault. It's like, it's never going to get any cohesion yeah. if you don't stick to that. And that is what I was saying to even, look, I've had conversations with people who I'm obviously not going to hot up on here, yeah. but they were saying about guys, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, but first thing, yeah, but he's out of shape. So, and these are women talking about guys. They're like, oh, well, he's out of shape. But you couldn't really just freely say that about women. And some guys might, might not care. And I always like to say anyway, um, when it comes to dating and all these other things, <laughs> mm. I go, um, my friend described it perfectly, actually, Chad Dan Blake. He said that guys um, can be five with accessories, which means you can be short, but you can be rich and have a good fashion sense. Yeah. Or you could be a bigger guy, but you could be funny and you can have a nice guy. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but that's the the luxury of that doesn't um need to really apply to you know the other the other gender and stuff so i just thought that was really interesting because that to me that was the point i'm trying to make is mario is in the chat how you doing mario what's up man um good to see you man so it's getting some uh, messages here on twitch how you doing there mario um so my thing was that essentially is that i use that example just to say that body positive isn't across the board like that. Like it isn't for men, like it is for women. Yeah. And that's fine. I accept that. It's got nothing to do with me. Um, but the way people highlight someone like Lizzo and then someone, and then they're telling DJ Khaled to put a shirt on, I'm like, yeah, is it pick and choose, you know? Yeah, I think that's the thing. And, you know, for me personally, and you were saying there about dating and stuff like that, like I'm, for me, I, I'm just like, you know what, I, I can't at the minute. Like, I'm just, for me, I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to just work on myself and work mm -hmm. on my presenting, like I said to you before. But there is part of me that where I'm like, oh, do you know, like, because we were talking about someone that we knew uh, about some content that they were putting out. And it really did affect me. It really affected me in kind of a way that I was like, do you know what? I've just come out of a relationship that was a really loving relationship at the time. And um, and all I'm seeing is you just shaming people mm. constantly. And I was just like, what is this? Is this what the is this what being single in like 2021 is going to be like now? <laughs> like, wow. Do I do I need to get myself a six pack? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And then everything. And I hate this word. And I know that it's come from the Love Island scene, but everything's an ick nowadays as well. Oh, the ick, the man. Ick. Honestly, the ick, man, you hit the nail on the head. Honestly, it like every, everything's an ick, and you're just like, well, what's the point, man? <laughs> what do I? What you, know, you, know, you know what it is? It's, it's funny actually. I, I, we're streaming this on Twitch right now, in fact, and we, I've got a community on Twitch that I've spoken to for months and months and months, and I'm hearing a lot of feedback from the guys on Twitch, and they feel like they are because of how things are with social media and uh, and when it comes to dating, women's feedback and all that kind of stuff, they feel like they're not enough. And they feel like they have to do, they have to become less so she can become more. And it, I'm like, it doesn't work like that. You need to, if you want to be in a loving relationship and a, and a relationship of equality in some degree, then you have to, you know, compromise. Like we said before, you have to respect each other and all that. And that doesn't come from pedestalizing one person over the other. So what I advise to young men, especially is like, look, there's plenty of time. There's plenty yeah. of time. There's always, they're not, like I always say, they're never going to stop making women. So <laughs> focus on being the best possible version of yourself. Make sure you take care of your physical health, your mental health. Make sure you focus on your finances, you know, learn skills, um, you know, be where you want to be in your career and, and grow that way and become an interesting dude. And, and yeah. it's never going to, you're never going to not meet women if you know, especially if you know yourself on a men, uh, mental point as well, um, mm -hmm. and knowing how things work and dynamics work, you'll be fine. Like men don't really hit their sick, their, their peak until they're like mid to late thirties anyway. So I've got a couple yeah. years left to go. But yeah, yeah so, so it's, it's, it's just a different, I, I believe in having a different sort of attitude. And like when I start having kids and sons, especially, I'll be saying to them, look, don't worry, there's plenty of time. Just yeah. Because also that 
stops you, it'll save you time because it'll stop you getting into relationships that may not be good for you, toxic relationships, yeah. um, people taking advantage of each other and that sort of thing and have and accidentally getting people pregnant and shit. Like, you don't yeah. want that. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but so do, this, you know, do you know what? That's best. such a good point though because mm-hmm. I think that for me, when I grew up and my my town where I used to live when I grew up was uh, a really kind of small town mentality. Like every time that I go back now and I say, Oh yeah, like I'm doing this bits for presenting and I'm doing this for radio and I'm doing X, Y, Z for blah, 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 blah. And they're like, Oh my God, that's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what have you done? They were like, Oh, well I've had another kid and I'm like, right, okay, fine. But then every time that I'll go home, it'll be, you know, a grandparent, it'll be this, it'll be this, that, and the other. And it'll be like, so Daniel, when are, and now being you know single, they're like, when are you going to meet someone? When are you going to settle down? You know, you're not getting any younger. You're not doing this, and oh. you know, you kind of then sit there and you're just like, wow. Well, well, if I wasn't feeling rubbish before, <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, you shouldn't. And I think, to be honest with you, I don't think that's a really fair thing to say to someone of your age and what you're doing. Yeah. And it's this very like a very traditional view. I'm like, like you know, like I'm married. And that's a traditional view, a traditional setup, but that doesn't stop me from doing what I want to do in yeah. regards to being the kind of person I am in regards to my develop, development personally and professionally. But I think that it's just, especially that kind of um, generation, like grandparents and, and maybe and parents, they feel like, okay, that's how you get your life set. That's how you get your life in order. And I feel like if your life isn't chaos, it doesn't matter if your life isn't chaos and you have a direction of what you're doing, what you're going, someone will, you will meet someone when it's the right time for you to meet someone. And fortunately we have the advantage that we're men that we can have kids obviously a lot later into our years. So it doesn't really matter. Like you can, who's that guy? Who's that? Like, be like Leonardo DiCaprio, man. He could be, yeah, his, man. he's yeah. not having no kids, be on yachts and supermodels, man. It could be you. <laughs> could be you, man. Could be you. Oh man, I'll keep dreaming, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean, and that's that's only from uh, obviously that's an exaggerated point, but that's only from developing yourself as a person, and that takes us through to what we're speaking about mental health and all this kind of stuff. Because if you're not in a good space mentally, it's not right for you to get into a relationship anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree, mate. It's not fair to yourself or or anyone else, you know. So I think these things are. I think a lot, and what I find as well, a lot of guys do need a lot of guidance at the minute, man. And mm-hmm. and it's important for for plat- platforms like yourself um, and doing what you do. I think that's super super important, which is why I wanted to have you on because I wanted to be able to share what, what you know and your your experience with the kind of platform I have. Because fortunately, I've met a a lot of people who have these struggles, and I'm not really qualified to talk about it in such depth yeah i mean i only know the basic and i'm a i can be a bit blunt i mean i'm not going to be telling anyone to man up but i'm just like look man focus on this do this do this do this and it'll be fine but it's not a cookie cutter as they say cookie cutter formula is it so i think knowing what you do and knowing the people that you speak to you have more of a um an overview of of how to not manage it and like uh, lecture or preach to anyone about it but at least give them some sort of knowledge based on what you've experienced because how did you come to this stage where you started decided to do this this podcast and has that did you have anything in your own personal background in mental health where you thought look I want a, a platform I'm really curious how you got to that actually yeah man so I think for me like uh, it all started in the first lockdown if I'm honest with you because I mean I got made redundant from uh, an office nine to five job. I was working in a pub at the time. Uh, and then that uh, COVID hit, we got locked down. And I think because COVID was so new, nobody really knew how to deal with it. And they didn't know what it was. And, you know, the fact that we were being told to stay indoors, we weren't allowed to see our friends, our family, our loved ones, anything like that. And then, you know, it really affected people's mental health. And I, I, I've said this story a few times is that the big catalyst for me starting the podcast, because for years people had said to me to get into, you know, TV, radio. Some people said I had a face for radio. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then they were like, oh, why don't you do a podcast? And I was like, oh, OK, so it's always been in the back of my mind. But I thought, you know, office nine to five, I need to pay rent. I need to get bills paid and all yeah. that lot. And um, yeah, it was only when uh, when I heard from my football boys back home and it was, you know, again, small town mentality at the time you know some of the guys have got kids and this that and the other and that's that's how they want to live their lives but it was just 
the weird texts that I was getting, and it was only weird because they're such blokey blokes, if you like. Like they wouldn't say boo to a goose if it was anything to do about how they're feeling or whatever it is, but they're happy to talk about how Jamie Fardy's banged in three goals in a, in a oh. you know in a game. So when COVID hit and uh, my group chat for the boys was like, guys, how are we? Like, what's going on? Like, is everyone okay? How's your families? Is everyone all right? Has anyone caught it? That for me. And then there was one guy, uh, just one guy that in the group that said, do you know what, boys? I'm really struggling and I'm really struggling with my mental health. And I just went, bang, that's the eureka moment that I need to start talking about this because I had my own struggles previously. Um, and I know how hard it is, especially when you get into that place because it's just terrible. So if you can't have that core network of people that you can talk to about it, and again, us uh, us football boys, we were like family, man. You know, like we were always gonna, we were always gonna talk about anything and everything that we could. Mm. Um, but you never spoke about things like that because you were you had to be the manly macho kind of drinking pints kind of guy. And yeah, so I mean, it, it all stemmed from there. And then I, I started it. I started talking about you know turn. Uh, you know what did I talk about? I started talking about COVID and how it affected me a little bit. And then I started interviewing a few people and I interviewed uh, some great people at the beginning. One of my friends who runs a community farm and how that helps people's mental health. Um, I spoke to an ex-professional footballer because uh, it was blown up by my you know local news uh, Instagram oh, nice. account here, which was lovely. So he then got in contact and it was around the time that George Floyd was murdered. So we were talking about racism in the game and we were talking about racism in general. And I went to him and said, look, I really want to talk about this because it's a really you know passionate subject for so many people at the minute. But also I want to know how it's affected you. And it's the same. I've got another, uh, I've got a comedian who's a person of color and he's, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, being a black comedian um, because, you know, it's, it's completely different to being a white comedian. So it's, it's those types of things. And then it just kind of went on and on and on. And I was just like, actually, do you know what? This, this is pretty cool. I I quite like talking about the conversations. I love doing interviews like this and, and, and everything. And then I was like, okay, well, why don't you speak to your local radio station, see if they're interested in it. So they got me on for an interview and played a couple of clips, which was lovely. Um, And then the radio station then took me on as a presenter. So I'm now one of their main presenters there. Um, But I've spoken to some incredible people and it's it's also been, you know, broadcast um, on the BBC. Uh, It's been broadcast on so many different platforms and I'm so, so grateful for it because it's allowed me to get some of the guests that I've had on, such as, you know, um, who I've had on Vic Hope, Lee Ryan, Will Manning, Melvin O'Doom, Marvin Sordell is an incredible, incredible guy, ex Premier League footballer, um, quit the game early due to mental health, and now is an ambassador for Better, who's one of the mental health charities that look after like the the podcast and a load of people and stuff. So it's. It, for me, it's just opening up that conversation because I've always been a talker. I've always, and again, it comes from my <laughs> Essex side of the family. We're just, we're just chatters. We just yeah. love talking. Um, but yeah, I just, I just think that it's so important to chat. And I've always been that kind of in, in the room of people that would be the lager drinkers who don't talk about anything that will go do this, that and the other. I've always been the one that will kind of be like, yeah, but how are you, mate? Like what's going on? Like I'll, I'll always it's, try and it's dig. It's funny you bit. say that actually because you just said actually when you're speaking, um, is that it just kind of he said oh I'm struggling and it and the problem is with it's about that starting point. You mm. just need someone just to say something and then people feel comfortable saying something else. I find so even if it's just on topic, yeah, like you said, you might be able to talk about football all day every day, but then if someone says, look, I'm having a bit of a hard day someone else might churn up and be like, you know what, actually, I'm kind of feeling the same. Because I think people are a little bit pensive to be that vulnerable, even with their close friends. And you don't know, we know how groups of guys are. I mean, the group, I can't show you my group chat. (laughs) But the fact that people might think, okay, are people going to take the piss out of me? Mm. Uh, People are going to be like, oh, shut up, man. And then you feel, if all it takes is for someone to do that, and then you don't feel comfortable mention it again and it gets worse and so on and so forth but that was really interesting when you said literally it was just that was like you said describe it there a eureka moment it did seem like that because 
it just changed the game really for 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 the dynamics in your in your friendship group. Yeah, exactly, man. And do you know what? Like, I mean, for me, I gained a whole new family once I went through my my mental health struggles as well because my my struggles basically began uh, when I I was traveling and I was having the best time of my life, and then. I got a phone call from my dad to say that, unfortunately, uh, that one of our close family friends who at the time was 30 years old um, had passed away due to uh, cancer. So we and that was a really close family friend. And then a couple of days later, I then got a phone call to say that. uh, And this is whilst I'm in Vietnam and one of my friends had been spiked and had taken something. So we're in a Vietnamese hospital. I've taken a phone call Mm -hmm. and uh, my nan had passed away. So I was like, right, okay. So at least I've got a couple of weeks before the funeral. I try and rush around and do a few bits, and then I'll, mm. I'll come back. You know, depending on what's going on. And then I got another phone call <laughs> once I was in uh, the mountains in Sapa, which was absolutely beautiful in Vietnam. Um, but I got another phone uh, or a text to say, Daniel, can you talk? And I was like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, no problem. Mm. Just thought it was a general catch up. And they said, uh, Dean's not very well. Now, Dean, for a bit of context, was my cousin who I grew up with. And we were, it, we were, you know, so, so close. We were inseparable. We we're only nine days apart. We we're more like brothers. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they said Dean's collapsed on the rugby pitch. And I just went, right, I'm packing my bags and I'm coming home. You know, it wasn't even a consideration for me. I rang through to Emirates and I said, look, I need to get home. I'm supposed to come home from Thailand, but I'm actually going to come home from Vietnam now. Don't, don't care about the cost just get me home today basically yeah. and um yeah and then afterwards uh, you know after that time uh I, and I'd packed up I'd said bye to my friends that I was traveling with and everything like that it took me six hours to get from this sort of mountainous beautiful area into the the city center where the the airport was and all along the way I'm just kind of going please god like please help him like make sure he's safe and and all that lot and it turned out when I got to the airport that what happened is that uh, I FaceTimed my mum uh, because she said, ring me, not your uncle or his wife at that time. And um, yeah, I rang her and I saw that she was upset and I went, oh my God, like what's, what's wrong? Like, is he okay? Is he, you know, cause I thought that there was just a complication with the surgery and he's had to have something done or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And what had happened is that his heart, and you wouldn't have noticed it unless you had this one particular test done his heart only had he had one less valve than he should have done so it basically his heart had overworked itself and the lactic acid that was in his because uh, he was playing rugby had shut most of his organs down now that they'd saved him but then what happened is the lactic acid sh- shut most of his organs down and that meant that he passed away so i've then found this out oh. in a in a cafe um you know on FaceTime to my mum and at that point I didn't know how to control my emotions and for me I just kind of slammed my hands on the table and unfortunately a a glass then fell off the table which then meant that there was six Vietnamese police officers that came over with guns drawn because they thought I was kicking up a fuss because it's an airport right 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 um and yeah and then I just bawled my eyes out and then I almost missed my flight home I asked you know can I have some space for myself? Because, and they were basically like, no, you got your seat, mate. That's it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then luckily they were fantastic. Luckily when I got to the air, uh, when I got to the plane, um, which I almost missed my flight, uh, they were like, oh yeah, like Dan, you know, you you must be Daniel. We've got a special area for you, but I can't, I cannot rate Emirates enough for that because they, they were really, really good with it. But I think, you know, for me then flying home 20 and a half hours through four different countries, knowing the news that I knew and then came back, I kind of cried all my tears out on the, on the plane. I didn't sleep. I just genuinely cried for 20 and a half hours. And um, when I got back to the UK, it was my two sisters and my friend who I was traveling with, who had already come home, uh, who picked me up. And it was kind of like that love actually scene from the airport where you kind of run and hug and all that lot. And I just felt numb. And I genuinely felt like that for the next six to nine months. And I just felt literally nothing. Um, Was not motivated to get a job, was not motivated to do anything. It was only when I started thinking about coming up to to London and working again, that I thought, you know what, actually, you know, you've kind of got to get get yourself together a little bit now. You've got to be able to do that Um, and really just, you know, go, go from there, basically. But I think, you know, the level of gra- and gravity of losing those people, especially in such a close time frame and being that that far away from people, that for me was where it all began. And then since then, you know, I've had other struggles, like I said to you before, 
came out of a, a long-term relationship a little while ago where I thought that person was the one. Um, and that's taken a massive toll as well. I'm still working through things with that. Um, and then just general anxieties, man. Like, you know, everybody needs more rest in the world and stuff like that. But I think that's the thing, like just, just keeping you, keeping a check on yourself. And I'm starting to get better with that now. Jesus. You know, man. But I put, well, first of all, I appreciate you sharing that, man, because that sounded like a, like a, well, difficult to bit of an understatement yeah. experience to go through. And I'm glad you felt comfortable enough sharing that with me. Um, because to have that, do you, just that point, I want to say, well, that point when you said that six, nine months, mm. you just felt completely, you know, completely down to mm. use of a better word. Yeah. Um, what kind of support system did you have around you at that time? So I had my family. Um, I, yeah, I had my family and my friends. But again, it, in terms of the friendship side of it, because I was living at home at this point because I'd just come back from traveling. I didn't move out again on, until a few months later. Um, the support network really is that for the first few months, I would say that, I, and again, we, he, he passed away in uh, the November. So Christmas is always hardest for us because that was a time that we all got together and me and him especially had a big drink. So I've still got this tradition now Well, I'll, I'll go up to his grave and I will put a bottle of beer on there and write a little message to say, oh, we're keeping up our Christmas traditions, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'll sit and have a drink with him. Um, and I think that, you know, keeping traditions alive is really important. But I think, as I was saying, you know, those first three months, um, especially, you know, and the worst part about it as well is, is from his point of view, is that he had a little baby daughter coming on the way as well. Oh, okay. um, so where he never got to meet his daughter and she would have been the first girl on his side of the family like the, the reed side of the family uh to have been born because it was all boys previously so he would have broke the mold with that one as well yeah. and um yeah I, I mean as i said like friends were great they were they were constantly trying to keep me out and socialize and I, I remember around christmas there was one particular incident and uh i was i was out with my mates and we were in a pub and I was out with some of his friends that I'd met from the funeral and stuff like that. I was out with my boys and they're my closest boys as well. And I just felt really claustrophobic. And again, this was pre COVID. I felt really claustrophobic because there were just so many people there. And I think because I didn't really want to be around people. I didn't really know. And I, you know me, I'm, I'm such a sociable guy. Like I love being out and about. I love seeing people, love chatting to people. But for me at that point, I was just like, I don't want to be anywhere near anyone. So I ended up really genuinely having a bit of a panic attack outside. And it was only for one of my friends was like, Dan, do you want to go for a cigarette? Now I'm not a smoker, but he was like, Dan, do you want to go for a cigarette? And I was like, oh no, I'm all right, mate. I don't smoke. He went, no, 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 come outside. And I was like, okay. And it was, it was when he noticed it. Um, And he said, you do realize it's okay for you not to be here. And as soon as he finished that sentence, I literally flooded with tears. And he, he basically had to catch me. Like I just collapsed into him and was just like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to be out. I don't want to, I just want to be in bed. I just want to stay here. This is all I want. All I want is my, you know, all I want is Dean back and this, that, and the other. Cause again, we were like brothers, but um, yeah, I ended up, you know, we sat outside for a while. I ended up staying for the rest of the night, which was good for me because it, then I actually got to swap kind of stories about what I didn't know about Dean's life in terms of like more like the rugby side of it and when he went on tour and how he knows the boys and stuff like that so I learned a lot about him through them and I'm glad that I did it and I'm glad that I stuck it out because otherwise I think that it would have just been you know for me it would have just been one of those things that's easy for me to just hide and run away from things Mm. um but actually it did me the world of good to get to know another side of him That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's a while. Yeah. I think I'm just trying to put myself in your shoes and just try to understand all of those kind of emotions you were feeling in such a short space of time and mm. and, and what they were. Like, could you even describe them? Did you, because it was it just the overwhelming grief? Was it mm. the, the sense of loss? Was it just, anger was it like what was it like in all those periods of like from when you got on the plane and essentially came home what were those periods of emotions over that time period I think it's a really weird one because again because I was traveling I was having genuinely the time of my life I think Mm. because I was on such a cloud nine 
mm. you know, the, the day before, um, the day before Dean passed away, or the, the day before that I found out, I went on like a big trek around like this huge mountain range with beautiful scenery around me. And I was like, oh, do you know what? And the place that we were staying with my, uh, me and my friends, we were teaching kids English. So we only got to do that for the night. Um, because they they really wanted to learn, and that was part of you staying there is that you helped out with like the cooking, and you know you help the kids oh, learn yeah. English and stuff like that. Awesome, awesome place, and I would love to go back there. Um, but I think for me, being on such a high, then getting the news of Dean's not very well kind of took me down to maybe an eight, and then finding out the news, you know, that he passed away at the airport as well. And again, being so far away, and my me and my family are very close. We're very very close, um, and for it to just dropped down it dropped mate I couldn't tell you the crash that had gone through and again it just went I went into a, a bit of a hysteria if I'm honest I, di- I didn't really know what I was doing and I sobbed like a child like you know when a kid's really really upset and they kind of try to catch their breath and like type of, I was doing that at, you know 25 26 years old uh, as a fully grown adult and I just sort of was like wow where where has this come from where has all this emotion come from and then again you know you then think about it and you're like well actually you've never experienced anything like this like I've had I've had people pass away I had like my granddad pass away a few years ago when I was sort of 17 and all that lot but I hadn't really at that point really had to deal with too much death especially like a tragic death if you like um so for me I, I just plummeted mate and then it was only when I when I started to rally in in the new year and and afterwards I would say honestly about March of of 2019 no sorry he died in 2016 so March of 2017 um, that I would have rallied myself and been like actually this is the point now that you've you've had enough you've you've really got to get your get your ass in gear basically and and get, you know get yourself a proper job and do the things that you want to do because he wouldn't want to he wouldn't want you to, you know, hide away from some of the stuff that you're doing. But I think it was, it's interesting what you said there about anger, because I genuinely was angry for a long time and it was nothing to do with him that he could have done nothing about it. But I was angry for a long time because he wasn't around. And, you know, when I saw his baby growing up and stuff like that, I was like, I'm angry that you're not here to see your little girl because she's the spitting image of you and she's got the same personality and, you know, that type of thing. And I think that, that anger then took me to a darker place because I was like, well, how can you be angry at someone that's not here? How can you be angry at someone that you love so much that you can't tell them that anymore? How can you be angry at someone that, you know, it was medically not their fault that they couldn't raise their kid and have their family and this, that, and the other, you know, it was, uh, and for me, I came out of it afterwards and I was like, in in a way, I was like, that's selfish for me. I was like, that's that's selfish. Like, I, I, you know, everybody grieves in their own different ways. They all, everybody will do. But for me, I came out of it afterwards, and I was like, you need to be the bigger person here. You need to be the person that's like, oh my god, like, you know, she like for example, Dean's wife. She's lost her entire world. She's lost everything, and you're angry at the fact that he's not here because you can't, you know. Even I, suppose, I suppose it's different because what you mentioned there earlier about sort of say losing a grandparent and then losing someone young is, is such a completely different feeling mm. um, because when it sounds a bit wrong, but when someone's a bit older, you like, especially a grandparent, you kind of, oh, okay, you're, you're more prepared for it in a way. Um, mm. But when it's someone young and it's unexpected, it's funny actually, it's because I had a similar situation where, well, not to that extent, of course, but uh, I lost my, um, my cousin, and then a few weeks later, I lost like my really good neighbor and she mm. was like in her eighties plus and my cousin was 19. Yeah. And she had, she had died from like natural causes and he had, he'd been stabbed and left in the street. And so, right. so it's very, very, very different. Of course you feel lots of different emotions because, and like a lot of the ones you've mentioned there actually came, came to mind actually, it made me think back myself mm. to think how, because sometimes you think, some loads of emotions if you sometimes feel um guilt sometimes you feel yeah. like um just like frustration anger anxiety all those kind of ones that you mentioned because it's it's i think it's about the loss of control yeah i don't know about yourself but me i can be a little mm-hmm. bit of a control guy so um knowing something out of your control um and something's happened and you couldn't do anything about it and of course it's along toppled with 
the personal relationship you have with that person, it, you don't really, these are the only ones we're sort of trained to, to, deal, to, to express. The yeah. first ones for men usually is stuff like anger, frustration, and sometimes violence to react. You know, I always, I, I was having a conversation the other day about how when say teenagers, teenage boys act out, people just think they're just being, being um, you know, stubborn or like just yeah. being difficult, but it usually comes from a place of, I don't know how to handle my emotions, but I know anger, I feel anger, and this is what I feel, and this is how I react. Um, so I just think that's that's an important important thing, and yeah, that was that's that's quite a quite an experience, man, for sure. Yeah, just listening to it. Yeah, it's. I think the thing is as well, and a, a big takeaway from that is how you control your emotions with that. Mm. Because for me, and you mentioned there about aggression and people getting into fighting and stuff, my my solace has been that I would get back into exercise or whatever. Mm. So I actually then got back into boxing. Because for me, I then that was that was how I got into or how I got out of my state that I was in. Because you know you had the fitness side of it, but physically being able to let out that anger not on a person because yeah. I'm not a fighter. I'm not you know I'm not into that. I'm I'm more of a lover than a hater. But oh, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the Tinder line. That's the <laughs> Tinder line. <laughs> it's coming soon. <laughs> But um, but yeah, I think that you know being able to to have that focus as well and reset yourself mentally because boxing is really bloody hard when you have to mentally prepare yourself for it. So I think having that reset was was something for me that I was like, do you know what? Actually, yeah, that's that's done me the world of good. Yeah, and I think I do think um, like you've just mentioned there, physical exercise. I know people think it's all about, you know, vanity and flexing in front of the mirror or, or being a beefcake or whatever it is, but it's not really about that. The feeling that you get from the dopamine hit when you have a have a workout is unmatched, you know? people. Yeah. It's funny, actually, people who are recovering from any kind of addiction, smoking, drugs, anything, drinking, the reason why they go to such extreme lengths into the gym after that or into fitness in general is because the it's the same level of fix. They get the same release of dopamine into their brain than they would when they were smoke a cigarette or do yeah. drugs. So that's why it's a replacement. It's a habit, but it's a better habit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Couldn't agree with you more. So that's it. Get, get wedge or die trying. That's what I believe. <laughs> get wedge or die trying. But, I like that. Uh, to get wedge or die trying. Well, yeah, I think, it, I think that's one of, that's one of the best things I can, I can speak about as well is just uh, because it's, 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 it's difficult, man. It's not, I think sometimes, uh, and I'm sure you experience yourself, especially with social media, things, perspective, uh, perspective, perspective, perception of a person isn't always what it seems in real life. So in real yeah. life and social media is, you know, they're different and there's a real blurred line there. And I think that plays a lot of part into mental health because people think they should behave like this because they see this person living like this and behaving like this so yeah. if you don't behave like that you have feelings of inadequacy yeah which is interesting but then you may be guilty of it yourself as an individual putting out that perspective of someone yeah um, and it's only gonna get crazy with the metaverse man oh man honestly but you know what going back to what you were just saying there and i i use this analogy a lot and it really works because Working in hospitality, I see different levels of people. I see people when they come in, I see people when they're okay, and I see people when they're not okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll see, for example, and I use the analogy, it's like a book. So you would see, for example, them at the beginning of the night, for example, if it's a guy, a guy creeping on some of the barmaids, whatever it may be, you look at the back cover where he's been thrown out because he's been too pissed or whatever it may be. But what you don't then look at is the pages in between and what the story is. And what I mean by that is there's one particular guy and he's happy for me to share the story. I won't say his name, but basically what had happened is that he come in, he got way too drunk. We had to kick him out. He then came back in a, a little while later because he was so embarrassed. We didn't bar him. He was absolutely fine. But when we spoke to him and when we chatted, because he was such a great regular, you know, he was really lovely. Like one of the most honest guys that you could chat to. And basically what had happened is that his missus had split up with him. He was just about to lose his flat and he lost his job all in three days. So he'd come out on a bit of a bender with some of the lads. Yeah. And then 
that then led to the final final part, the back part of the book of him being chucked out. But general perception was that he was coming in, maybe being a bit of a creep, not that he was, but maybe being a bit of a creep because he knew us behind the bar. So he was chatting to us for maybe a bit longer than he should have done. And then he's got thrown out. So then there's customers that have come up to me and like, oh, do you need us? Do you need some help with getting him out or whatever? Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 he's absolutely fine. He's absolutely fine. Mm. But it's that, it's again, that perception because you can only, you've just got to keep scratching away at them layers, whether it's again, people that you're close with, people that you're not particularly close with could just be anyone and everyone. Mm. Um, And again, it's just about being a good person and just, you know, asking the right questions and, you know, there's the Roman Kemp's documentary a little while ago was fantastic for this about asking if you're okay twice, mm. because if you ask the first time, you're going to get a response of, oh yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. No worries at all. No, but mate, how are you actually like, you know, are you okay? Oh, well actually mate, I felt a bit down recently. I've not felt myself, blah, blah, blah. And that's the type of thing where it comes in that you're like, yeah, I see where you're coming from now. Yeah. That's a great point actually, because you're right, it is about perception and, and understanding and just what, what's happening behind the scenes, which is mm. obviously a great way of describing it there, is that it's not, it's the same, like even you go to the point there of saying that having a, having a breakup, now your perception of the breakup to me is your perception of it. Mm. So she might have a different perception of it, but I yeah. think sometimes what happens is when people come out of a relationship and they only hear one side, the other person is painted a certain way just because of that other person's recept- um, perception. But really, so they're in charge of shaping their reality, essentially. But yeah. the, the, the point is, is that you can't make an informed decision and outcome on a situation unless you have both sides. Yeah. And yeah. But I think a lot of people now, especially in the culture that we live in, are reactive. And when you are straight reactive, you don't, it's just coming from raw emotion, just, ah, I feel like this, so boom. I feel like this, so boom, 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 boom. But, and when you behave like that, people can take advantage of that and people can manipulate that. Yeah. And even I see it every day where things happen across the world and it's put on social media. Everyone's got an opinion of this because, oh, I feel like this or this is wrong or this isn't like this. And, and they don't realise that people are manipulating that yeah. to... to to do something as simple as sell a product or sell yeah. an idea or or whatever it may be. And I, I know that people had some some views on stuff like COVID and now obviously some people have some views on the current state of the politics of what's happening in yeah. the minute, but it's difficult because you want to be level-headed enough to be like, okay, look, I don't agree, agree with your point, but okay, it's your point. But yeah. some people don't have that kind of understanding. They just mm-hmm. think that, I'm right and I am now going to push my point on you. Yeah. And that's where the divide comes from. But that's not what, it's an argument. That's what an argument is. You know, yeah. an argument is essentially like, I believe this and you believe that. And you're, I'm going to try and convince you to believe my argument. Yeah. You're going to try and convince me to believe your argument. And it's just like, it's just going to hit an impasse. So it's always best to just have an understanding of each person's argument except okay look i'm not going to agree with you you're not going to agree with me but okay it's int- it's an interesting point of view but that takes a lot of time and a lot of social awareness self-awareness uh emotional control and stuff like that to get to that stage and i think that the reason why i bring up this point is because i don't believe that we're given the tools to do that Instead, it makes more sense to just kind of let people run run amok, as it were, as opposed to saying, look, it doesn't have to be like this. You can be like this. And this is where a lot of the fragments and issues in society in in general come. I mean, uh, for myself, I I don't that's not really how I operate, but Mm. I know that some people haven't got some of the benefits I have and, and vice versa. So it's just sometimes it's just worth especially especially when it comes to men as well I'm, I, I can't speak for yourself but younger I was very reactive very yeah. very reactive kind of person acting off a lot of impulse really not really realizing how things looked or how it made the other person feel or anything like I just did because I felt like doing it and on reflection I always say look I don't I'm not gonna 
say that I regret what I did and those things that I did, but those things that I did have made me the person who I am and I've learned from them experiences. So I can't go back to my past and change them, but I can at least learn from them and understand. Because I always, I always have a think of, like if I did something wild, people would be like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. I go, yeah, because at the time I thought that suited me or that, see, I thought that was the right thing to do or I yeah. In my, just, just what I'm saying. And yeah, 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 it kind yeah. of comes with age as well. Yeah. You can learn more and more about yourself where you're like, okay, I can't believe I did that, but at least I'm not that person anymore because I've learned from that. So, and it kind of takes me into the point of, of the idea of cancel culture as well, because yeah. people, you're not the same person you was when you were 21, neither no. am I. So, but people have a tendency to, to hold people in a point where something you did in the past is now has to be brought into the future imagining you're same person you're the same person and even someone said an excellent point to me on the podcast before which was about the idea of um committing a crime you're mm. and kind of crime being put in prison you're being put in prison off the basis of one act that you've done yeah at one decision so you could be put in there say at 25 years old and you spend 25 years of your life in there because of something you did in one moment which someone has now judged you for for the rest of your life yeah that's wild like that's when you, mad. you take it apart that's really really wild like, yeah yeah when he said to that to me i was just like jesus i've never really thought of it like that like you make one mistake and then that's it and you're t- even when you even if you was to come out you're still tied to that mistake because it's still on your record it's still on there there's even when you think of it on a, on a more of a uh you know, of a financial level, you know, if you have a CCJ or a, a bankruptcy on your credit, that stays on there for six years. People are not yeah. going to let you forget it for a period of time. And it's just, yeah. people just don't let things go from the sounds no. of it. Do you know what I mean? No, they, they hold really on, man. It. They hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. That's really made me think. I don't know. <laughs> when he told me that, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's insane. So, um, and I think that's the important thing if we're talking about, um sort of relationships and people and stuff like that and 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 giving advice i think it's just the important thing to i i always like to say to people now okay look you can do whatever you want man you can she can he can whoever you can do whoever you can do whatever you want really but just be aware that every action that you do does has consequences and reaction and however people respond to that you can't be angry at them for that because these are the like um uh just to keep it really simple like if someone was g- gonna go start on OnlyFans today that's yeah. fine do your thing get your money make that make that paper yeah but in five or ten years when someone's finding that on there or or, or you want to go and get married and a guy that your man knows that and or he, or he finds out about that and he doesn't want to marry you you can't be angry at him that's his decision based on those are that is one of the consequences of a decision that you've made yeah but i think we live in a world now where such an instant gratification society where people don't think their consequences matter and there are any consequences people just think oh i should do i can do whatever okay that's fine but you don't when people turn around say okay well i'm not gonna work with you or i'm not gonna get in a relationship with you because of because of your multiple failed business or your multiple failed relationships yeah then they get frustrated and angry Mm. but that's childish yeah yeah it's crazy it's yeah. wild to me it's and it, it, it's interesting what you said there because i feel like it's the same with again social media everybody's looking for the likes everybody's looking yeah. for this they're looking for that instant gratification when actually there's a lot of times that it takes a lot of hard graft whether it's in your job whether it's in you know what we're doing as presenters or whether it's just in your own mental health or how you want to live your life you know there's a there's always a story to be told. There's always a journey. You're never going to just get that instant. Well done, mate. You, you know, you've, you've got to work hard for it as well. Mm. And that's it. But what you said there, it's like the perception of that. It's easy, but pe- people aren't posting their failures. Mm. People aren't posting their failures at all. People are only posting the successes. And um, I think people get lost in the source. But you think yeah. Instagram's mad. TikTok is crazy. Yeah. TikTok, is, TikTok is mad. You know, today I've seen... Uh, a live of some someone who was born without a jaw 
I've never well, that is crazy. I've never seen that before. I was like, wow, that's crazy. And there's some madness going on in there already. But it's it's insane when you think of the effect this is having because I, I don't know. I don't think I I don't think I w- want my kids being on on social media. If I'm honest, because <laughs> really, yeah, yeah, just because of what it does is because yeah. we haven't there hasn't been any kind of form of training of what it does, and there hasn't been enough history of it. Yeah. To realize, because I mean, when did Instagram come out? I mean, when did Facebook come out? Like 2006? This was on right? a pub quiz the other day. Um, yeah, like 2006-ish, yeah. So it's been, what, 10, 15, 15 years or so of Facebook. And it's like, that's not really enough time. When you think about research of patterns and stuff, that goes to like 30, 40, 50, hundreds of years, you know? Yeah. We've only got... 15 years of this experience and what it can do like vaping for example vaping's fine that like oh no cigarettes sorry cigarettes everyone yeah. thought cigarettes was fine and they even told pregnant women they could smoke cigarettes but now we know yeah. cigarettes are no good and vaping's better but yeah we haven't got enough research on vaping to say to say whether it's better or not yeah yeah so i mean not me, man, not me. I, <laughs> I, I'm going hella off topic, but it's just <laughs> something which I started and now you think you like to talk bloody hell, mate. I never shut up. <laughs> I'm absolutely never shut up, man. But so, but alongside the, uh, the pod, what are you working on at the minute, man? Um, talk to me about your show, the uh, Riverside, Riverside Radio, right? That's it, man. Yeah, so I'm a breakfast radio presenter there twice a week. Um, I'm working on a few different projects uh, with them as well in terms of, live hosting and um, production and brand awareness and stuff like that, which is really amazing. Um, what else am I doing at the minute? I'm doing a lot of live hosting events for um, a company. I'm also reworking uh, a lot of stuff to reapply for radio and hopefully get my face in front of a camera soon and get some stuff in ready for a show reel that I can get in there. Uh, Hopefully, you know, somewhere that's get that's gonna be able to pay me to be a presenter full time. That's the dream, man. That's yeah, the, that's 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 the dream. What is your what field in presenting would you would be your ideal thing? Would it be like breakfast, breakfast TV? Would it be good morning next to Phil and Holly? Or would it be like MTV? Would it be I don't know, because now it's not would it be hosting Love Island? Would it be being on Love Island? <laughs> <laughs> Staying well away from that, mate. <laughs> but you know, if they're your type on paper, man, your final one needs to type on your type on paper. <laughs> mate, I got approached to do come dine and not come down, mate. Uh, dinner date a little while ago. Oh from yeah, ITV. Yeah. So fun. I got offered to do it, and uh, it was literally like two days after I'd split up with my ex, and I went, "No, nah, I don't think I'm in the right space for this." And I went. Okay, maybe in the future. I was like, oh, thanks for holding out hope. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm you good. Are you much of a cook? Yeah, I am, man. I love cooking. There love go. cooking. There we go. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. You'll be fine. Because every show now is just dating show. I got offered to be put on Take Me Out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like, oh, yeah, it's Bob from London. Yeah. <laughs> Coming down the elevator. But uh, yeah, didn't go on that because uh, I was with someone. So. Cock yeah. Rock, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think all, all the shows are all the shows are dating shows. Uh my friend actually got offered to be put on Mad at First Sight. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But best dating show, man. This is a little hidden one, I'll tell you. Are you the one? Oh. Are you the one on Netflix? Now, are you the one is really interesting because basically it's 10 girls, 10 guys. But prior to going into this house, they do all of these tests like emotional, history, fans, friend, um, uh, friends, family ex-relationships, like morals, what's important to them, that sort of stuff. And basically what it is, is their matches in that house. So, but they don't know who they are. So they have to obviously figure out who their match is. Yeah. And then they have a, this thing called the truth booth where they can be voted in and that will confirm if they're a match. And the idea is they have a matching ceremony every week or whatever, and they have certain beams of lights and right. each beam of light is um, a match, right? And if you get 10 beams of light, you get a million pounds which is split amongst these 10 people yeah, or 20, 10 girls told guys. So obviously the idea is really good because they're trying to find their match. And obviously some people are more drawn to people who they think is their match because of their previous relationships or their previous stuff. But sometimes their previous relationships haven't worked for a reason. Therefore this person is, is very interesting. My mate got me on it after the yeah. love is blind, of course. Yeah. Love is blind and those two. 
there. He's actually sending me right now. I bet you only might. Yeah, he sent me like six videos. <laughs> Basically, because I've already seen it. So he's watching it now and he's sending me like videos, narrate him narrating it. So right. <laughs> narrating each person and stuff. So, but um, it, it, I think it's just more, it's less Love Island and more like emotionally charged as opposed yeah. to Love Island's a bit more impulse driven. Yeah, impulse and physical. I'm telling you, man. Go on there, man. Go on, no. there. Go on there, man. Get those. Get that blue tick. We'll get your blue tick. Yeah, get that blue tick. blue tick on the end, man. But um, what I'm doing is I'm not going to keep you too long, man. Um, and I will. Obviously, I'm going to let you go because I know you've had a had a long day, but um, it was good. And thanks for the waiting whilst we sorted out the delay. But it was yeah, really just to sit down and talk with you, man. And and I really appreciate you sharing all that. Um, all of those. All of your experiences. Um, especially those which are a bit more um, dear to your heart in regards to, um, you know, personal loss and tragedy. I really appreciate that. Um, and just have you, if you've got anything, if you could give some advice to to any men or, or, or boys who are struggling with their mental health or want to um, find resources or any kind of advice that you give them. Yeah, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could give is vulnerability is strength. Don't think that hiding away, bottling things up and doing, you know, all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing is the answer. It's not because that is where we get the statistics that we do of people taking their own life. So my biggest thing is just use this for the right reasons. You don't have to spread hate. You can just spread joy, positivity, but use whatever's in here needs to come out of here. That's what your, your body's supposed to do. Um, obviously sometimes you need a filter, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the biggest thing is just open up, just open up, talk to people. Um, you know, make, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then there are, and you maybe want to get some more professional advice, then you can see your GP. Um, there's some amazing charities out there like shout and mind and Samaritans that have tech services as well. So if you feel like you can't physically talk about it because it's too much pressure, then text through because you text, as I said earlier, you text a mate about Jamie's body banging in free goals. Mm. Why not text into someone that could actually change your life and help you out? So yeah, just, just keep communicating, keep the conversations going and just keep releasing the stigma is, is the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Brilliant, man. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for sharing, man. And, and thank you for sitting down with me and, talking it through man i really enjoyed this mate thank you so much for having me honestly it's been an absolute pleasure and it's been so good to chat to you you too man well i'll speak to you soon man yeah man definitely all right take it easy man Peace. cheers man thank you